We're coming back to John chapter 18 now. The title of my sermon is Jesus Before Pilate. And we are going to be looking at John chapter 18, verse 28 through to 40. John 28, sorry, John 18, verse 28 through to 40. By now, the Lord Jesus Christ, who you, I, I don't need to tell you this, but just keep it at the front of your mind. Jesus is the great heavenly high priest, isn't he? And he is the judge of all the earth. Keep remembering this. Well, Jesus had already appeared before the Jewish religious leaders and their corrupt earthly high priests. They'd shown themselves to be corrupt. Earlier verses in chapter 18 give details of Jesus appearing before the high priest Annas. Apparently, according to the commentaries and the historians, the scholars, apparently that that trial was illegal because it was convened at night time. But I don't suppose that Annas was overly bothered about that minor detail. Neither did it seem to matter that no charges were read out when Jesus was brought before the high priest. No charges at all. Do you remember last week he was fishing for uh, something with which to accuse the Lord Jesus Christ? As was pointed out also last week, a guilty verdict and capital punishment had already been predicted way back in John chapter 11 by the high priest Caiaphas. Caiaphas was the son-in-law of Annas. Also, Jesus himself had already told his disciples that he must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and by the chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. So we see that prophecy was being fulfilled. In today's passage, details are given of the Lord Jesus Christ being taken to the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate. Let's have a look at John chapter 18 and verse 28. After this... Sorry, I've got the wrong chapter here. Then led they Jesus from Caiaphas unto the hall of judgment. And it was early, and they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. It can be seen in the other gospel accounts that Jesus was bound when, when he was led to the official residence of the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate. And the people who bound him and who took him to Pilate, they included none other than the chief priests. So you get that picture, that big party of people taking Jesus, he's bound and They've got the the chief priests amongst them, probably right at the front of the crowd were the chief priests. Now, that would have all been designed to create an impression to Pilate that something very, very serious had happened, that Jesus was truly a wicked man by virtue of the fact that he'd been bound, by virtue of the fact that the chief priests were there. A wicked man indeed. 
The escort party did not want to step into the governor's residence because in true religious style they did not want to defile or make themselves unclean. That's what it means. They didn't want to make themselves unclean by going into uh, the place of a Gentile. But as ever they were following their man-made traditions. They were taking the law on separation way too far. They always had to take things too far. Not for the first time their traditions trumped God's laws, were more important than God's laws. Laws which tell us to love God with our whole being and to love our neighbour as ourselves. The fact that their prisoner was perfectly innocent, he'd done nothing wrong, and the fact that their prisoner... Uh, is the man who is God, the incarnate son of God, it just goes to show how they had violated God's um, law. To love God and to love your your neighbour as yourself. That must have been the the greatest violation of God's law ever. What they were doing to the Lord Jesus Christ. Still, never mind, at least they followed their traditions. Traditions seemed to be so, so important. It was important to those Jews of old, and it's probably very important to many of us. We have our own little traditions that sometimes trump the word of God. Because this is how I've always done this. Never mind what God says in his word. This is how I do it and nothing's going to change. We have that mentality. We can do at any rate. A.W. Pink, he encapsulated what was going on at when the Lord Jesus Christ was brought before Pilate. He said, These very men were here engaged in the vilest act ever perpetrated on earth. And yet they spoke of being defiled. They hesitated not to deliver their Messiah to the Gentiles, yet were scrupulous lest they be disqualified from eating the Passover. With the handing over of Jesus to Pontius Pilate, prophecy was being fulfilled. For in Mark chapter 10 and verse 33, Jesus had already said, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes and they shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. Exactly as Jesus had said. Let's move on and look at verses 29 and 30. Pilate then went out unto them and said, What accusation bring ye against this man? They answered and said unto him, If he were not a malefactor, we would not have delivered him up unto thee. Pilate asked the chief priests a perfectly reasonable question. A prisoner's brought to him, what's he done wrong? And they couldn't even give him a straight answer, because... There wasn't one, or at least there wasn't one that a Gentile judge would be interested in. The best that they could do was to say to Pilate, 
if he were not a malefactor, which means an evildoer, if he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up unto thee. At this point, it's worth filling in a gap. Again, uh, it's as well to look at other scriptures and they supply some extra information. The other gospel writers do. Before being led bound to Pilate, Jesus had already appeared before the high priest Caiaphas. We don't get any details of that in John's gospel. During that kangaroo court trial, two false witnesses had, had given evidence and they weren't very good liars. In Mark chapter 14 and verse 59, it is written that their testimonies did not agree. They couldn't even get it right with regards to what they said. One of them said, We heard him say, I will destroy the temple that is made with hands, and within three days I will build another made without hands. It sounded like Jesus was making threats or telling them plainly what he was going to do. I'm going to destroy that beautiful temple there, and then I'm going to rebuild it in three days. That's how it came across from the lying lips of the false witness. That's very different to what Jesus actually said. Let me read to you what Jesus actually said, and it's in John's Gospel, chapter 2. Verses 18 through to 21. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple. He didn't say I'm going to destroy this temple. Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building and wilt thou rear it up in three days? Will you really build it again in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. Jesus was speaking of himself. Destroy this temple. Put me to death on the cross and I will be raised up on the third day. Therefore, with that piece of false evidence, the chief priest could have presented to Pilate charges of what? Sacrilege? Sorcery with regards to the Jewish temple? None of these things would have been of any interest to uh, a pagan Roman governor. Also, Caiaphas, in his capacity as high priest, had adjured or solemnly urged the great heavenly high priest, to say whether he was the Son of God. And when Jesus affirmed that he is the Son of God, he was convicted of blasphemy. Do you remember that? You see it in, I think, Matthew's Gospel. The high priest, he rent his robe. No, we don't have to hear anything else. That's blasphemy. Pilate would have had no interest in that either. Pilate was a pagan and his own people to varying degrees they worshipped, acknowledged or at least paid lip service to many gods, false gods of course. 
So someone claiming to be the son of God would have been of no interest to him. Let's have a look at verses 31 and 32. Then said Pilate unto them, Take ye him and judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spake, signifying what death he should die. Since no charges were brought before Pilate, he quite rightly refused to judge the Lord Jesus Christ. Instead, he said to the Jewish chief priests and to the other members of the council, the Sanhedrin, judge him according to your law. He said that probably knowing full well that they'd already done that. He didn't have to be a genius to see that Jesus had already been judged by the Jews. He would have seen on the face of Jesus that he received a very brutal trial, literally at the hands of the Jews. And it's not as if the chief priest just took Jesus and brought him directly to Pontius Pilate. If Jesus had been executed by the Jews, he most likely would have been stoned to death for blasphemy. But as we've read there, the Jews, they had no power to execute people under the Roman occupation. But had they had the power and the the authority to execute the Lord Jesus Christ, they probably would have stoned him to death. As it is written in Leviticus chapter 24 and verse 16, He that blasphemeth the name of the Lord, he shall surely be put to death, and all the congregation shall certainly stone him. However, under Roman occupation, uh, as I say, the Jews, they weren't allowed to execute anyone, and that's why they brought him to Pilate. No real charges whatsoever, except, or no charges that Pilate would have been interested in. They wanted Pilate to execute Jesus, but they didn't want Pilate asking too many questions. Just take him, just put him to death. Of course, the Romans crucified people, and that was precisely what Jesus had predicted concerning himself, that he would be crucified. He'd said that in various places. Let's have a look at verses 33 through to verse 36. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again. So, obviously, he's left the judgment hall. We're not really told that there, are we? I'll read that again. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, saying, uh, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. 
in verse 33 there, Pilate didn't just come out with that question, art thou the king of the Jews? He didn't just think that one up. Something caused him to ask it. And what caused him to ask it can be seen in Luke's gospel, chapter 23 and verse 2, where it is written, and they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ the King. Can you see that? They've they've upped the ante there, the Jews, the chief priests. They're getting nowhere with Pilate. So they're starting to accuse him of things that that Pilate will be interested in. Insurrection. Jesus trying to make himself a king. In, in opposition to um, the emperor, the Roman emperor. These things would have been, or at least they thought, would have been of great interest to Pilate. But they were a pack of lies. Those accusations were nothing but lies. For one thing, Jesus had never forbidden anyone to pay taxes. Again, let me just read what was uh, I said in Luke chapter 23, verse 2. They began to accuse him, saying, we found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar. A lie. In Mark chapter 12, verse 17, Jesus had said, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. Secondly, back in chapter 6 and verse 15, far from declaring himself to be some kind of an earthly king, it is written that Jesus withdrew to a mountain on his own when people tried to make him a king. They'd see Jesus, they'd seen him multiply the bread and the fishes when he fed the multitude, and they they recognised that he was the Messiah, but they had a very... um, earthly idea of what their Messiah should be. An earthly king, someone who would conquer and kick out the Romans. So they tried to make him king, having seen him perform such such amazing miracles. And Jesus retreated to a mountain on his own. So he most certainly did not try to set himself up as an earthly king. Again, it was a pack of lies. Even so, when Jesus answered Pilate, he did not deny that he is a king. There was an element of truth in those false accusations of the Jewish council, the Sanhedrin. Jesus is a king, but his kingship is not of this world. He has a spiritual realm. He has a heavenly kingship. If the kingship of Jesus had been of this world, the subjects of King Jesus would have come to his rescue. They would have stopped him being delivered to the high priest. He was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. His loyal subjects wouldn't have allowed that to happen. But of course, he is not an earthly king. And all that we saw in the Garden of Gethsemane was Peter acting in the flesh, getting out his sword and cutting off the ear of the servant of the high priest. That was it. Let's let's read on, verse 37 and 38. 
Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. It's written in verse 37 there that Jesus was born, that he came into the world. Would you describe that about yourself? Verse 37. To this end was I born. Okay, I can say that. You can say that. To this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world. For this cause I came into the world. You couldn't say that, nor could I. This speaks of his pre-existence. Not only was Jesus born, he already existed. That's just a little example there, tucked away in that verse uh, of Jesus speaking of his pre-existence, that he is indeed the eternal Son of God. That statement, not only does it speak of his uh, pre-existence, it also speaks of his earthly mission to bear witness unto the truth. Pilate said, What is truth? Sounds very profound, doesn't it? Like some philosopher. What is truth? It's not really that profound. I think we all know what truth is. Because God has programmed us that way. We know what truth is. And an easy way to look at what truth is, is to see what truth is not. Truth is not lies. Truth is not deceit. Sad to say that there is an absence of truth in this world. It's in very short supply in this world of sin and depravity. We live in a world that spins on an axis of lies and deceit, do we not? Lies proceed so easily from our lips because they proceed from hearts that are deceitful deceitful above all things, so deceitful that most people in this world think that they don't need Jesus. It doesn't get more deceitful than that, does it? Hearts which are desperately wicked. And so we live in a world where lying comes naturally for fallen sinners. Some lie more than others, of course. However, the word of God... The Bible is truth. I can remember when I first walked into a church, other than for a wedding or a funeral perhaps, I was in my 30s, I walked into a church, God led me into a church similar to this little church, and just to be exposed to truth, the purity of truth. It was weird at the time. Strange, wonderfully strange to sit there and listen to the preacher. He spoke about Jonah, actually. I spoke about it earlier to you briefly. He was preaching on Jonah being swallowed up by a whale and just listening to that. And one thing led to another and that pastor, that preacher, he led us to an application and Jesus was what it was all about. 
how wonderful that was to be exposed to truth because there isn't you won't find it in this world you won't find it with the politicians what do they say about the politicians if they're moving their lips they're, they're telling lies it's true that's what happens even our leaders as a christian i love Psalm 119 verse 30 where it is written the entrance of your words give light it gives understanding to the simple and that was my experience about 25 years ago listening to the word of truth and that truth by the grace of God entering my heart when God said let there be light and his son the Lord Jesus Christ who is the truth shone in my heart Pure truth. Really, you get what I'm saying anyway, but I'll say it anyway. If you do not belong to Jesus, if you are not trusting in him, you are living a lie. Your whole life is a lie. And by the grace of God, you need to come out of that lie. And you need to embrace the one who is full of grace and truth. The Lord Jesus. Don't kid yourself. Don't flatter yourself that you are so great. Because in God's sight you are not. Our acceptance before God is and always will be in the beloved. His son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I say that to you out of concern and love. Come to Jesus. Receive him. The one who is truth. Back in John chapter 8 verse 31 and 32. Jesus said. If ye continue in my word. Then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. We've looked at this before haven't we. But it was quite some months ago. What you need to appreciate. Is that Jesus is the incarnate word of God and he is the truth Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life and no man comes to the father but by me therefore to know the truth really is all about knowing Jesus you must come to him you must receive him for the forgiveness of your sins To know Jesus, to know the truth, it means freedom from the penalty of sin. It means freedom from the power of sin. It means ultimately freedom from the presence of sin. When in his time you go to be with him where he is and you behold the glory of the one who is truth. There really is nothing greater than to know Jesus. To be set free from your sin to be set free from Satan and death, to trust in his sinless life, to trust in his sacrificial death, to trust in his resurrection, in order that you might be accepted by a holy and a righteous God. As has already been seen in John chapter 17 and verse 3, just the last chapter, this is life eternal, that they might know You, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. 
It, that's how serious it is. To know Jesus and his Father is eternal life. Don't be a Pontius Pilate. Don't just say, what is truth? Let's have a look at verses 39 to 40. But we have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. It was customary for a prisoner, one prisoner, to be released at the Passover. And so Pilate presented the religious leaders and the people as a whole with a choice. Do you want me to release to you Jesus or do you want me to release to you Barabbas? Incidentally, Barabbas wasn't just a robber, he was a murderer as well. We get that in Mark chapter 15 and verse 7. So do you want me to release to you the Lord Jesus Christ who has done nothing wrong? Or do you want me to release to you Barabbas who is a murderer and a robber? That's the choice that they were given. Jesus should not have even been part of that choice in the first place because he shouldn't have been there because he'd done nothing wrong. And Pilate knew that very well. Pilate had said, I find in him no fault at all. What was Pilate doing presenting Jesus as in that choice when he knew that Jesus had done nothing wrong? So don't be too kind on Pilate, by the way. People tend to give Pilate too much slack. He was together. He conspired with everyone else to have Jesus put to death, the Holy One. He's as wicked as everyone else. However, even though Pilate had the power, he had the authority as the Roman governor to release Jesus, and he it would seem that he did want to release Jesus. He wanted to release him. According to Luke chapter 23, verse 20, we'll have a look at that. It gives us an insight into what was going on with Pilate there. I'll just read it to you. 2320 Pilate therefore willing to release Jesus he was willing to release Jesus spake again to them but they cried saying crucify him crucify him he could have released Jesus he wanted to release Jesus but instead he capitulated and like a big coward he released to them Barabbas Can you see what kind of a world we live in? It is a world that chooses a robber, a murderer, rather than the sinless son of God. It is a world that spins on the axis of lies. So much so that the inhabitants, they reject the one who is the truth. And instead they receive to themselves someone who is a murderer and a robber. Of course, I'm broadening this. I'm taking it way beyond the crowd that was there, way beyond the chief priest, because that is a picture of the world that we live in. Nothing changes there. He is is despised and rejected of men. 
in the prophecy of Isaiah. That's as relevant now as it ever was. All of that makes perfect sense though. I'm not saying it's right, but it makes perfect sense when you appreciate that the God of this world is who? It's the devil. The God of this world with a small g is the devil who himself is a murderer and a liar. Let me just read to you what Jesus said in in John chapter 8. Then it falls into place. Why they, why they chose Barabbas? Let me just read to you. John chapter 8 verse 44. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth. There you have it. A murderer and a liar. Abode not in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. In that verse, Jesus speaks to you. He speaks to you, not just those unbelieving Jews at the time. He speaks to you if you have not received him as your saviour from sin and if you have not believed on his name. Your father is the devil who is a murderer and a liar. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Finally, day by day, God is taking people out of the devil's domain and he is transferring them into the kingdom of his dear son. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13. People are being taken out of darkness and placed in the light the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed with every spiritual blessing are you if God has delivered you out of the devil's dark domain and he has transferred you into the kingdom of Jesus, the one who said, my kingdom is not of this world. That kingdom is for people who believe on his name, be people who bow down to him, acknowledging that the king of glory no less took upon himself the form of a servant and bare their sins in his body on the cross at Calvary. Amen.